All right, it's Liquid Gold where we do shots. Shots. Shots, shots. shots anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. All right. Bubbles. We're here. It's cold outside, and uh, Christmas and the holidays are upon us, so we're here today for a special shots episode. We're talking beer. We're talking winter beers. We're talking barrel-aged beers. There's this very special beer festival coming up this weekend here in Nashville called the Winter Warmer from our friends at Rhizome Productions. Today we have the founder, Mr. Matt Leff, is here in studio. Matt, how are you? I'm great. Morning. Welcome. Morning. Thanks for having me Good to have you. Thanks for bringing some morning barrel-aged beers. This one even says breakfast on the label. So... It was appropriate. We'll take it. It's a good one to start with. <laughs> the Winter Warmer is coming up, presented by ML Rose Craft Beer and Burgers and Rhizome Productions, obviously. It is coming up Saturday, December 3rd, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Morgan Park in Germantown, in between 3rd and 4th off Hume. So right there in Germantown, in the thick of it. There's a lot of beer to drink in Germantown these days, so that's a good there that's is. a good area yeah. to be uh, having all these uh, stouts, porters. Four five breweries. That's amazing. Yeah. Stouts, porters, barley wines, barrel-aged beers. We're going to get into some of that today. I'm your host, Mike Wolf, today, along with my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. Kenneth, well, how uh, are you? Staying warm? I'm great. Yeah. Yeah. Curled up with your dog by the fire and a nice, toasty uh, winter beer. Running in my sleeping bag. Oh, right. <laughs> From our survivalist chef, Katie Koss, last episode. That was an epic episode. That was a lot of fun. Um, Good times. Really special Thanksgiving episode, which you can check out at our website, liquidgold.show. And as always, follow all the podcasts that we own this town, that we own this town podcast network at weownthistown.net. Do check out Mom Cult. Good new podcast that they've been running here for... Uh, here this year and uh the music episode always one of our favorites at we own this town and producer michael Eads. shout out to michael thank you michael here at the studios high atop the towers at wedgwood houston and do check out it's holiday season and we have your holiday drinking guide the new book cheer a liquid gold holiday drinking guide is in stores and everywhere you buy books if you're here in nashville you can pick up signed copies at parnassus and the bookshop east as well as uh, online, turnerpublishing.com, and online at bookshop.org, where you can, uh, if you don't live here in Nashville, you can support your local bookstores and local bookstores that you're just passionate about in whatever city you can choose there at uh, bookshop.org. And then uh, our friends in Charleston will be in Charleston the weekend of December 16th. We'll be at Edmonds Oast. And then we'll also be at Monero doing a little tequila is unfair happy hour at Monero, Saturday, December 17th. So more info to come on that. Edmunds Oast is great, by the way. Just oh, yeah. Amazing joint. <laughs> they've uh, they've carried uh, my books at the bottle shop there. And awesome. Been really, been really cool. So yeah, it's great an people. amazing place. Amazing city. They have barrel-aged Underberg there. Rewind, repeat. <laughs> oh yeah, they're big. Rhizome like big Underberg. Five gallon Underberg uh, uh, barrel age. They literally opened up all the little bottles to fill them. They, they made the hosts. The hosts. Oh uh, my god. Do it. I mean, it's a good way to get all those it caps. Couple, it was like a couple thousand of them or something like that. That is it's amazing. Amazing and inspirational. <laughs> yeah, you guys are big fans of. We, Underberg. we yeah, Underberg's been uh, a sponsor of ours for a couple of years now. We're doing a big. 
uh, a big toast actually at the Winter Warmer uh, on Saturday at 3.30. We're festival-wide Underberg toast. That's Amazing. Great. Yeah. When we do Underberg shots, let's get you back for that. Okay. I'm in. I love yeah. Underberg. I even um, got the gold cup, the whole thing. Let's go. And uh, you probably have the belt. I have the belt, the, the backpack. I got, all the, I got everything. <laughs> I had I got, the belt, and I retrofitted it to wear. Nice. And the buckle eventually broke. Damn. Yeah. I don't when think they have repair. their merch made in Germany, which it would make it much better quality. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about winter beers here. In your, You're a beer expert, Matt. That's why we got Supposedly. you here. Supposedly. And this time of year, it's, it's one of the reasons why we did the book. Once you get to like September, you really start thinking about drinking, th- drinking differently. And once it gets really cold and it starts to get dark at 430 and it's just like, wow, what happened? It really makes people drink differently. It makes people think differently. You're not like mowing the lawn and crushing a Pilsner, which is uh, a favorite activity of yeah, Kenneth and mine. Same. Um, it's the best. My lover best has way a to cup drink holder. beer. I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what makes a winter beer... And what are brewers thinking when they're when they're shifting gears and, and thinking about making these winter beers? What's so different about them? Well, I think the definition of a winter beer can be kind of broad. I mean, they're like let's use Sierra Nevada as a good example. Their winter beer is Celebration, which is an aggressively hoppy IPA. Yeah. Um, but it's always been that release that they make for that time of year. Obviously, over the time, they make Imperial Stouts that come out this time of year and things like that. But technically, their winter beer is an IPA. I think when I conceptualized this event in 2011, I was thinking, how do we focus on high alcohol beers? Which, you know, when we speak to colder nights and maybe drinking outside and around a fire, you want something that <laughs> warms you up inside. Yeah. So you definitely get into those imperial stouts, porters, brown ales, barley wines that are 10, 12, 13. I mean, the two we're drinking today, I think, are both in that, you know, double digit range. So I, I and I think that's always evolving. I think unlike maybe the spirits world, unlike maybe the wine world, like beer is in just a constant flux, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's drinking habits, buying habits. um, And I think we're in a very weird time for beer currently. Consumer habits are very unpredictable and and beer consumption is down a lot. Um, Why do you think that is? Why do you think uh, it's in such an interesting period? I think it's a lot easier to drink other beverages now, like Mm. RTDs. Yeah are proliferating the marketplace and they tend to have lower calories. They have higher alcohol content, some of them, but they just, they, they maybe are a little bit more wide appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, cha- that's changed it a lot as well. People just, you know, people's habits always change, but beer right. seems to be one of the more finickier marketplaces. You know, if you're a bourbon drinker, you're always going to drink bourbon. Yeah. If you're a beer drinker, there's always something new on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's easier to be unloyal, <laughs> I guess is the word. Sure. Sure. Um, I watched something just the other day on, it was on very exciting CNBC, uh, that since 1980, beer consumption nationwide is down over 30%. Wow. It's a, I mean, it's a lot of people. That is a lot of people, but also yeah. you there's have a the lot craft more beer, beer options yeah. since that then too, too. Of course. Yeah. There's 9,000 plus breweries right now in the United States. And so I think people, people who are still like beer drinkers, regardless of the time of year, or the style, they're looking more close to home as to what they drink. I mean, you're always going to have your supermarket buyer, but those people are normally drinking relatively boring things because the selection is controlled by big beer yeah but you know we're lucky nashville's a great example we've got you know what what are we up to like 30 breweries in davidson county there's a lot you can throw a rock from your house in this town and find a local brewery and probably get a pretty good if we threw one right here we'd hit jackalope we can hit jackalope from right here (laughs) right there um you know so so roundabout answer to your question i think 
in my mind, and part of the reason the winter warmer came to be, when I think about drinking beer in the wintertime, I'm thinking about dark beers, heavier beers, higher alcohol beers, and that really is where the winter warmer came from. And then the barrel aid side kind of opened it up a little bit to looking at like lambics and, and sour beers, like Yazoo's Embrace the Funk series is a great example. Most of his beers are aged in a variety of different barrels. Mm-hmm. So that's where the barrel age component, you know, kind of over time has has allowed some of the maybe easier drinking beers, if you like sours, to be there. And actually new for this year, because we see changing palates, we've invited every brewery to have a stat or excuse me, a lager or pilsner alongside their big beers. One, to give people just a lighter option and almost as a, cl- a palate cleanser. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I just drank four barley wines. I need something to, you know, lighten the palate. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we we did that last year with just a single lager bar. We had six taps rotating all day of different lagers and pilsners, and we ran out of all of them in the first two hours. So wow. we opened it up to everybody. And then that ML Rose beer trailer this year is going to be all like esoteric beers from Europe. Oh, cool! Yeah, what yeah. are some what are some highlights from uh, that you're going to feature from Europe? Uh, so we've got a keg of Cantillon Lambic, uh, oh, wow. the Vinerone, which is a white wine grape variant. Uh, that we've it's actually a keg we've had since uh, the K and K days. Oh wow, been, you've had that one sitting around <laughs> aging. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. It's been been kept cold, so maybe not aging, but we've been sitting on that. And then let's see, we've got some beers from Estonia. Uh, from a brewery called Pojala, which you might remember. We had those back in the day. And those are mainly on the dark side and they're barrel aged, but they're, you know, they're unique to them. They're using barrels from distilleries across Europe. So cool stuff there. Let's see what else we've got. Dre Fontanen, another Lambic producer. They're sending in a variety of of Lambics that I've never had before that are actually like winter Lambics. So they're Mm -hmm. brewed with darker malts and have higher ABVs. So those should be pretty interesting. And tell our listeners what exactly makes a Lambic beer. And why they're so special? Uh, sure. So you've you've really brought some special beers to Nashville over the years. We've tried. Um, we've tried. <laughs> but yeah, what what exactly is a lambic, and what what why are they so special? So lambic, kind of like um, champagne, mm. can only be from the Champagne region. You can only make lambic in the lambic region, uh, which is surrounding Brussels in Belgium, and it is brewed uh, in an open vat called a cool ship, which is uh, essentially a giant metal bathtub, and the uh, the yeast in the air during December to March is how they inoculate the liquid. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into uh, oak barrels, mainly neutral or wine, not like bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they age for up to three years and they're blended. And um, that'd be French oak? Uh, or they'd use American I'm, oak sometimes? Most likely it's French. Okay. Don't hold me to that. Yeah, I, I, It's European. I mean, they have probably brought in the modern day have brought barrels from America over for aging. But yeah. when they started, they were getting what they could get locally probably. Yep. So probably French, mm-hmm. maybe some Belgian wine producers even, but French oak for sure, not American, no char. Yeah. Um, okay. And those beers will then age up to three years. They'll be blended. Some will get fruited. Frambois, raspberry is po- popular. Cherry mm-hmm. is popular. Cantillon, who's one of the producers, they do all kinds of crazy stuff with different grapes and different fruits. Um, my favorite personally is Fafoon, which is made with apricots. Oh, yeah. Um, really, really just beautiful beer. And so you can only brew it in that region. You can only brew it during a certain time of year. And there's been actually a lot of conversation probably in the past couple of years how uh, climate change is impacting the season of making Lambic. Certainly. Just because um, you need certain temperatures for those uh, things in the air to actually inoculate the beer. So Incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's it, changing the wine industry. Everything. It's changing wine regions. Yep. 
Yeah. So what do you know what exactly the climate climate change is doing to their production schedules? Is it it's is shortening it, the time so, yeah. frame? Uh, yeah. And and I think it's changing the flora and and sort of bugs in the air. You know, if it's getting warmer gradually, some of those things that make lambic possible might yeah. Not if exist. you're using oh, natural sure. yeast, yeah. you want. I, I imagine the idea is like a slow fermentation over the winter, and if it's a warmer winter, then you don't have that traditionally controlled. Well, that's um, the thing; it's, yeah. it's spontaneous, so it's yeah. not controlled. Um, I think the I think when they're making the lambic, the wort that goes into the the vessel, the cool ship, I think it only is in there for a couple of days. Mm. Um, but again, if it's too warm, to your point, you know those bugs in the air may not live. <laughs> yeah. So it's I think the season is shortening, but and there's only. These are small breweries. They don't make that much beer. Yeah. Um, so there's only so much capacity. Yeah. They make what they make and then pretty whoever much. can get it gets it. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, so that's where you come in, bringing it to Nashville. So that's pretty we, cool. We try. That begs the question, is Miller High Life still the champagne of beers? Of course it is. Okay. <laughs> and it always will be. <laughs> You're a Miller High Life fan. I am. I was yeah. drinking it. Actually, I went to Robert's for the first time in many years the other night and nice. several and they're still 250. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Shout yeah. out Robert's. Yep. Yeah. The only place on Broadway worth going. Still there. <laughs> still keeping beer cheap again. I might throw Layla's in there too. I like Layla's. Layla's is fair. Well, that's next. Yeah. Right next to One door. or the other. You brought some uh, some really special beers today. What's this first one that you I brought did. that you're yeah, going to be featuring at the uh, the Winter Warmer, which is going on Saturday, December 3rd, 11 to 4? Yeah, so this is a uh, beer for Monday night, who actually, they have a tasting room. They're not producing in Nashville, but they have a tasting room in Germantown um, in the Newhoff area, if you've been. Really great tasting room. Uh, but they're out of Atlanta. They've been in the market for a couple years now. And this is their uh, breakfast anti-meridian or meridium. And it's a maple bourbon barrel, imperial brown ale with coffee and vanilla. And this is actually from 2021. They gave me this bottle oh, at cool. uh, Winter Warmer last year. And uh, as I mentioned, it's it's big. It's 13.5% ABV. Wow. So uh, when when a beer spends time in the barrel, it, it tends to make it a little stronger. It, it, it the, can. The yeah. alcohol goes up usually by 2 to 3%. or. I'm not a brewer, so I don't yeah. want to say that yes or, yes or no to that. I think it depends if there's maybe some residual uh, bourbon or whiskey in the barrels that oh, should sure. play a role. Are they wet barrels? Are they dry? Um, but I think they brewed this beer probably with a pretty high ABV to begin yeah. with, mm -hmm. and then um, you know they let it go. So it spent probably a good, I'm guessing it spent probably two to four months in the barrel wow. before they blended it and packaged it. So All right, cheers. It's delicious. Oh, yeah, let's check it cheers. And Monday night does a good job. That beer shouldn't be that easy to drink at 13.5 ABV. Oh, yeah. That tastes like a Starbucks yeah. drink. I'm not saying you're going to slam uh, you know, a 16-ounce pour of it. Yeah, but it, it'll it, catch up to you. It'll certainly catch up to you, but it's very drinkable for what it is. It, it, it's not too sweet. And it's it, got that maple breakfast stuff on the back end, which totally is really nice. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so, like pancakes. It, it does have, yeah. I mean, you, I would reduce this down and put it on my pancakes. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. Right. <laughs> it's a good example, though. This is kind of like... When I first started tasting these beers in like the early 2000s, maybe 2007, I was like, wow, like who had the idea to do this? It's great. It's like a Waffle House coffee. <laughs> yeah. Right. If they only if they sold beer at Waffle House. Where you get to put the syrup in the coffee. Yeah. And, yeah. And those little creamers. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah, I mean, it, that that's th a beer like this is kind of what I was like. This is my definition of what I think a winter beer probably should somewhat be. Yeah. You know, because you're not going to drink this on the beach in the middle of the summer. No. Right. No, you need a fire, you need cold weather. Definitely. A sweater, maybe. You know what I do like on the beach is boiled eggs. Interesting. What if they drop them? They get real sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Just easy, no cleanup. Just blow it off. 
Just blow it off. <laughs> you could dip it rub in. The, it, actually, you could just dip it, on it, my chest dip it in the salt water because <laughs> you need to put salt on eggs. That's sure. a decent idea. Yeah. Damn, look at that <laughs> deviled egg on the beach hacks. He's throwing that right back in your face. Is it? Do you like them because of the low cleanup and the the minimal yes. prep? And you just fill up a Ziploc bag with them. Yeah, it's a good idea. You should have kids. <laughs> All this practical knowledge. I do love eggs. I had a tidbit to add about Germantown because we mentioned Germantown. Yeah, so the festival is in Germantown. Mm -hmm. And uh, is this the first year you'll be in Germantown? It is. So we did nine years in Severe Park. Then in 2019, we had, uh, I don't know, we were like, hey, let's try this in East Park because we do a lot of stuff there. Yeah, I was at that one. Yeah, and it was a good one. But everybody who lived in 12 South was too lazy to drive to East Park. (laughs) So we got a lot of complaints. Mm. And then, of course, 2020, we didn't do anything. And then last year we brought it back to Severe Park and everybody was happy. It was a great year. Didn't rain. <laughs> but because of the construction, we're going to Morgan Park. Cool. And um, it's kind of an unutilized park and it's got a cool history. So I learned this three, four months ago. The actual park in the 1860s was the city brewery of Nashville. Oh, incredible. Uh, owned by Fred Leitenberger, German guy, of course. Yeah. Hence Germantown. Uh-huh. Um, and it then became like a community garden and park when the brewery closed. And it's part of the historic marker. There's a, a historic marker now in Germantown uh, that represents the old brewery district there. Oh, wow. And actually, uh, Scott Murdy, who's a local to Nashville, he's involved with the Nashville Brewing Company Brewery. They do all the lagers and pilsners that are based on historic recipes from these breweries back in the day. Incredible. Uh, that kind of scattered across Nashville, but a lot of them were in Germantown. So this actual park was the site of a brewery, which is kind of cool. That's wow, that's killer. perfect. Yeah. And yeah. this is like the 10th anniversary, essentially, because you had to skip a year. I think it's okay. the 11th year, but we missed okay. a year. We did do a virtual winter warmer during COVID. How was that? It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy it's over. Yeah, right. People liked it. People liked it. Well, I'm but. sure people are stoked to get back out and, yeah. uh, and get warm. And get But warm. it's going to be a pretty nice day as weather, of right now. Yeah, weather's weather, holding up. Weather looks good, mid-50s, You know, maybe a little sprinkles like early morning before we open, and then sun's supposed to come out and Perfect. look pretty great. And you've got uh, Nashville breweries are making special stuff for uh, for the winter warmer this year. So we we actually it's funny you ask. We just got uh, I just got a text from the guys over at Tailgate. We collaborated on a winter warmer beer and a Hanukkah beer. So it's a uh, jelly donut white stout. Whoa! And uh, it's going to get put in cans, and we're going to have it on draft at the winter warmer. So there are a lot of special beers from everybody. Yeah, um, that's one that we actually collaborated with them. We went and spent the day and helped make the beer. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, everybody is either has either done a special project for the event, maybe a special barrel age variation, or sending stuff you know from the seller that you're not going to just find out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much everybody. I mean, we we don't have to go through the whole list, but <laughs> yeah, if you uh, if you go to the website, you can click on each brewery and see exactly what they're bringing, and it's uh, it's a really good list. There's a lot of cool stuff this year, and and I think being able to add in the lagers and pilsners. I think makes it more attractive to just people who don't want to drink a hundred imperial stouts and porters and barley wines all day long. Sure, you it, got a little uh, something for everybody. Got to break it up a little bit. And you can check out all the info on that at thewinterwarmer.com. Yeah, thirty-seven breweries from pretty much across the country, but heavy focus on local, regional. Amazing. Yeah. What I love about you guys, you've got the focus on local and regional stuff, but then you're also focused on bringing in really cool stuff. So our background, so I was at uh, Coochie and Keller yep. when that yep. opened. 
helping Buddy and Juliet and Aaron and all, all the crew yep. over there, opening that place. was kind of ahead of its time, was bringing in all these amazing beers. It was really a hub for people who loved special beers. And one of my favorites was you guys. I'm pretty sure you guys helped with this. I don't know. But uh, the Tipo Pills from Italy. Oh, amazing. Y'all brought in a, yeah. a keg of that or a couple kegs, a handful of kegs. Yep. That was special. To have that on tap was that was a special one i, I still remember that one and then there was a sourdough a starter i remember that beer, beer. oh my god it was and a german I can't remember. it was yeah, german it was, i can't remember what incredible. it was incredible brewed from sourdough starter it was fantastic um so that was a favorite but god there was there was a ton but tell me how you got going with rhizome productions and uh what inspired it and kind of what what other things you guys do because you're pretty busy it's a full year you know oh yeah uh it's a full-time thing for you so it's about 18 events a year Amazing. So yeah, how did that get going? And so I I moved to Nashville in 2010 from Atlanta. Worked in tech. I was an IT guy. <laughs> Nothing mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Atlanta though, when I moved there, it was the best beer scene I had lived in. Right? There was a, a moment I, I moved from Orlando, and there's a place that's still around called Red Light Red Light. That was the first place I ever had a lambic actually. Mm. And then I moved to Atlanta and discovered the Brickstore Pub, which is still my favorite place to drink a beer in the entire country, frankly. Incredible bar. Incredible. Yeah, I got to visit there a couple couple years ago. Yeah. And it was just crushing, like, really special pilsners from all yep. over Europe. It's and an amazing it was, place. Yeah. And, and actually, a childhood friend of mine is now the GM, which is awesome. Oh, amazing. Um, it's like a beer cathedral. It is. It's I don't even know if it's like should be considered a bar. It's kind of it, it, it's it's next level. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It yeah. is. You feel it when you're in there. Yeah, it's a special place. And so spent a lot of time drinking there while I was living there. Sweetwater was like the place to be. And we would go there for their happy hours, which was like 10 bucks. And you basically got loaded <laughs> It was because they couldn't sell you a beer. They could sell you a sample. Mm. And the sample was like 12 of 16 ounces in a pint. And you got six of those. So in two hours, you got lit up pretty quick. There wasn't a lot of beer being made in Georgia at the time outside of maybe Sweetwater and a few other brands, but there was a lot of great stuff being distributed there. And then fast forward, move here. And I I think I looked at a beer festival that was going on over the summer and it had like Mike's Hard Lemonade and Blue Moon and all this. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell is happening here? Yazoo was open. Uh, I think when I moved here, they were already on division, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that sounds about right. Blackstone had beer on the shelf, but I think it was being contracted at the time. Hmm. And that was it. Like, that was our local beer scene. A, a big River, I guess, on Broadway, if we want to count that. Sure. But that wasn't really a, a local's place, per se. So I start looking around at other beer festivals, trying to see if there's stuff maybe different times a year. And there wasn't. And I'm just like, I look, I, my wife was in school, which is how we ended up here. She got into a grad program at Vanderbilt. And I, I remember telling her one night, I was like, hey, I'm going to think I'm going to throw a beer festival. And she's like, leave me alone. I'm busy. And I was like, <laughs> that's a yes. <laughs> and uh, I started just making some phone calls. I, I had gotten looped in with this like beer sharing group when I moved here. We would do these amazing beer tastings all over town and just started discovering stuff. I met a, a guy up in, in Bowling Green named Blake Lane who owns um, Preservation, I believe is his bottle shop. Mm. And he was just like a, a, a beer genius and knew a bunch of people. So I ended up getting in touch with like the, the owner of Bounty Bev, Kurt Strickmaker, kind of gave him my idea and a couple other people that were in the world of distribution. And I just said, hey, like, I want to do something different. I want to give a ton of money to charity. Like this was a side hustle when I started. Mm-hmm. It wasn't sure. supposed to be a job. <laughs> yeah. Just something for fun, maybe make a little extra cash and do good for the neighborhood, good for the community. Yeah, you uh, saw a need and filled it. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was one beer event, and there wasn't a lot going on. 
So the big thing, though, that I made, since there wasn't a lot of local breweries at the time, and distribution was limited. I mean, there was we had a good bit of brands in the market. I probably could have put 20, 30 tables at a beer fest. My goal was to invite breweries that weren't here mm. in the beginning and just try and show breweries from out of town, like, hey, Nashville needs you. Yeah. And then also help distributors maybe grow their businesses a little bit. So mm. like Bounty Bev was really small when I got started. And there are several brands that they now carry that were guest breweries at events we did in 2011, 2012, 2013. Um, and that's really how it started. So East Nashville Beer Fest 2011 was the first event we ever did, right in front of what was LP Field, now Nissan Stadium, mm. on Titans Way. Uh, it was a street party slash park party. There's that little weird East Bank Greenway. Sure. And it was like a hybrid of both. Uh, the grilled cheesery food truck was brand new at the time. The night before, their truck caught fire and they canceled. Oh, wow. Uh, Mas Tacos was there with their Winnebago at the time, selling Amazing. tacos. It was a sort of groundbreaking. Like, it sold out a month in advance, and I had no idea what I was doing. Like, the fact that no one died and I didn't die was, uh, That's was kind of a home run. I mean, to look back now on, like, like we need CO2. Very simple thing. Like, we got to provide CO2 to breweries. I couldn't get a company to deliver me CO2. So I rented a van and put 60, 50-pound CO2 tanks in a van. And at the end of the festival, I was shit-faced drunk and I had to figure out how to get them back in the van. Oh, man. <laughs> and a pack of wild dogs tried to attack some of my friends that were working for me. It was a total... Oh, that's old-school East old Nashville. Nashville. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, remember, yeah. Uh, I remember that when I, fr when I first moved here. Oh, yeah. The packs of wild dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Roaming around. They yeah. were in the dumpster. And mm -hmm. we opened the door of the dumpster to start throwing the trash. And they started chasing us. <laughs> Like, we smell beer. Yeah, basically. So it started from that. We did that event. We I think we gave, like, 30 grand to charity. And I just was like, well, I guess I got to try and do another one. Like, this made some money. It did good for the community. And really just flourished from there. And it took a few years to kind of realize, like, hey, I, I'm on to something. And quit IT and just focused on building events. And it's now, I guess we're technically in our 12th year of doing it. And it's grown beyond us just producing beer festivals. We do work with music festivals, we do consulting, we help restaurants, and the passion has grown beyond just beer. We've done whiskey mm. events, wine events, events where we combine alcohol and food, and then really anything in between. We've become really festival and event producers, mm. which lends itself to pretty much anything. Yeah. H has it been pretty fascinating from the time that you started that festival, and then you watch Nashville grow as a city, but also like grow you know, exponentially too, as a beer city and as a, as a, uh, a brewery hub. It's amazing. Um, yeah. what's that been like just to see that, uh, you know, where did you look, did you turn around and look like three, four years into your business and be like, Jesus, there's, cause at that point there was probably like 20 new breweries or something. Yeah. 15 new breweries at that point. I mean, I could probably do a festival in Nashville with just beer made in Davidson County if I wanted to. I mean, I, again, I don't know the exact count <laughs> at this point in time. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing to see the growth. I think Nashville as a whole, I mean, Kenneth and I were just mentioning like this yeah, neighborhood. That was like the first thing we got into. Right? Yeah, I'm just like, like what happened here? I mean, this neighborhood <laughs> used to be so shady. <laughs> yeah. Like you didn't come around here. So I think a lot of it's been great. I do, as many, I do feel that some of the soul of Nashville, that, that and I'm not a native, but I've been here since 2010. I do feel that some of the uh, the OG stuff that I thought was really cool is maybe being overshadowed mm. and and the tourism industry while it's great it does detract i think makes it a little bit harder to live here mm. i don't know how you guys feel about that i think it also depends where you live yeah. I, I i went out west and don't have to really feel it too much mm -hmm. you know day to day but 
you know, just coming here, like, hey, where do you park your car these days? Yeah, you know? it's hard to find a parking spot around yeah. here. When we started the show here about four years ago, it was quiet. Yeah. So um, was there was there a time where you like tasted a beer or a brewery started that made you really take note to be like, shit, this is because uh, for me it probably like mixed greens four when Southern Grist came out with that. You're talking about a Nashville like, brewery, yeah, like a Nashville brewery. Oh wow, where you tasted it and you know you tasted something that they did or. You know, when you were just like, shit, this is uh, this is getting serious. There's serious beer here. There's th- This is exciting. This is inspiring. What was it? That's a great question. See, I've, I've always been one that, like, not saying I don't consistently drink the same beers, but I, I am an unloyal consumer. Mm. I love trying new stuff, so yeah. I always want something different. I like so many of the breweries in Nashville. I don't dislike really any of them, to be quite frank, because I think they all have a unique vision that they bring yeah to beer everybody's different for sure yeah when i tried like bearded iris their first beers i, I still remember they brought into husk bef- right before they were about to start canning and stuff they brought in some beers and we tasted them we we're like geez this is uh this is kind of a, a big step forward and then thought the same thing with southern grist but yeah. also a lot of the special stuff that yazoo was doing and they yeah. branched out into special projects and then you know some of the stuff that harding house has done over the last couple of years I mean, even like Jackalope, when they came out with that Pilsner, where they really kind of refined their Pilsner. Yeah, um, it's great beer. There's just so much. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's what overwhelming. was it? Because <laughs> you're 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 on the front lines there. Was there one or two, or is it? It's it's hard to narrow it down. Yeah. I mean, I, I I do love like Wild Ales. So I thought when Brandon Jones got the opportunity to kind of build that embrace the funk with Yazoo, I think that was a pretty cool step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and really show just shows like the uniqueness of the national community. You know, I, I think I'll, I'll use Southern Grist because I could walk there when they first opened. Yeah. Their uh, Nashville Mule. I love that. Beer. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That did it for me. Like, yeah. I, I was there at least once a week just drinking that. And yeah, then that's hit, a good one. And I was going to say, yeah, the original ginger. location yeah. of Grist was probably when I thought, damn, like beer in Nashville is becoming innovative yeah mm-hmm. now yeah and you could look you could look through the little glass window and see the you know where they were making the beer pretty yeah. small area yeah tiny production um, three barrel like system <laughs> yeah and and you know you were you were tasting what they're making in the back and everything was super fresh so yeah that like was, it, it that wasn't was just that spot but like uh getting a parking spot speaking of which over there and like uh there were times i would just like blow past it because i didn't it and i was spoiled. too busy I walk there <laughs> yeah Let's and, talk about this other one you brought. Yeah, we haven't even tried it yet. Oh shit! Yeah. So, so what? What? This is a. I wanted to bring a barley wine. This is a barley wine. So yeah. tell us about barley wines because you're going to be featuring some some really cool ones. Barley yeah. wine is definitely a winter beer. Yep. It's kind of a whole other category, a whole different flavor profile. Yeah. So tell us about it's it. It's almost like imagine taking a triple IPA and just reducing it down to its purest form. So it's ah. brewed with a ton of hops ton of grains they're generally high in alcohol and definitely uh, seasonal probably one that's best known thank you go ahead just pour it on top probably one of the ones that's best known is is sierra nevada's bigfoot barley wine they've yes. been making it since the 80s that's I've, the I've, first one i tried ever. yeah yeah i've been lucky enough to actually i did like a 15 year vertical once Whoa. uh one bottle of each it was nuts Whoa. i can't i don't remember much of that day <laughs> even with like one ounce sips of each one because that beer definitely ranges in that you know 13 to 15% range. It was a little different every year. Uh, this one is from a brewery. They actually have participated at events in the past, but they're not local here. They're not available here. It's Nebraska Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. 
really good stuff. I think this is so Fathead is the series of barley wines they make, and this is um, another vanilla one. I didn't even think about that when I grabbed it. Yeah, um, but let's. I'm gonna give it a quick sip. All right, I, let's. It's ch- been in my cooler for I think like two or three years. The owner sent me a oh, few amazing. bottles. Oh, dude, thanks for bringing it. Mm-hmm. I was joking on some some. Oh wow, that's really good. Uh, you really get the booze on that. But uh, I was joking Man, in some beer wow, group on really the internet how barley wines were dead, and <laughs> I got totally shit on for saying it. <laughs> and then the owner of uh, Nebraska was like, what's your address? <laughs> and he sent me like six bottles of barley wine. Oh, amazing. Yeah, he, he took exception. Yeah, I think we've got, we don't have a ton of barley wines this year, maybe eight or nine different ones. One of my ones I'm looking forward to trying is uh, Creature Comforts out of Athens, Georgia, is sending up a, a really limited release of a barley wine that they did. It's part of their curious series which is a barrel oh, cool. release series two three times a year and it's uh i think it's like a 17 percent barrel aged barley wine whoa yeah yeah <laughs> small pour we do have lots of free drinking water so don't worry amazing <laughs> and food trucks eat <laughs> but oh, that's uh, great you got food trucks oh yeah and all, yeah. all the oh, good yeah. stuff we've got uh, let's see we've got the grilled cheesery we've got steaming goat shivanada Bob's Fish Fry and Berea, babe, for your Berea taco needs. Oh, incredible. Why not, right? <laughs> um, so this one's whiskey barrel aged. Definitely taste that. And uh, they add vanilla beans, it appears, uh, to to the barrel. Does it, it, say when that, does it say when it's from? I think it's a pretty, it's got to be at least two years old. Non-vintage. I don't see it. Yeah. No, well, no vintage. It's definitely it's not fresh. Just special. It's just been sitting in the cooler for today. Incredible. <laughs> so your beer storage at your house must be pretty intense. Can you tell us about your operation? Like, do you have a cellar? Do you have, you know, you got stuff in the cellar, stuff in the attic, stuff in the garage, Nothing in the couple, attic. couple, it's couple beer fridges, <laughs> or you know, what, what's going on with the storage I've options? Got, there? I, I've I've slimmed down. Yeah. I've got a uh, a two door glass like you know beer cooler mm. that's you know fresh beer, and I have a tap handle that I drilled into the side of it. Currently, have a new Glarus raspberry tart on draft. <laughs> oh wow, that's a flex. Yeah, uh, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. It was a result of the the mystery beer dinner we did over the summer with uh, with Aaron and uh, and the team at Bill Sandwich Palace. And Shout TKO. out Bill's yeah. uh, incredible sandwiches. Some of the best sandwiches in Nashville. Heck Bill's yeah. Sa- Sandwich Palace about to move into the uh, the old Swi- R.I.P. Sweet Sixteenth Bakery. And we love them, but uh, stoked for Aaron and the folks at Bills. It's going to be a very good addition to the community. Um, but yeah, so it came from that. And then I have a, a two-door stacked wine cooler that I found on like Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. That's all Lambic. And it's like 50-degree temperature rate setting on those. Perfect. That's it, really. I've got some stuff that's like in my basement that it's it won't go bad. <laughs> yeah. But it's much less than it used to be. Incredible. I once had, a, I think, a second wine cooler. And I had a kegerator for a while. I got rid of that. But then that, then that new Glarus keg showed up and was like, I guess I should put on tap at the house. So I just drilled a hole through the side of it and put a tap on. Beauty. <laughs> Ingenuity. Yeah, it's there. I think what's fascinating about the barrel-aged beers is that you take something that was probably, even though it's lower alcohol when it goes into the barrel, yeah. it was potentially a little bit more harsh, maybe uh, a little bit more raw and nutty and then when you put it in the barrel what's interesting to me is that the alcohol goes up but the flavor mellows but the flavor mellows out it's pretty and cool and so it's kind of like oh yeah we know the alcohol's going to go up but we got you because yeah. it's going to smooth the characteristics of the barrel which a lot of times are toasted and a lot of times they're using like old bourbon barrels yep. or barrels that have been used to age wine or rum 
So there's like a mellowing process while kicking up the alcohol. That's what's so fascinating to me yep. about it. I, I wish it were more rum barrel aged beers because I really love aged rums. Yeah, you I mean the beers that we've tasted. We got maple. We got breakfast Go flavors. With rum. Uh, the rum would be perfect. And then this one has that vanilla yeah. element, which is uh, kind of a telltale quality of, of barrel aged rum or barrel aged anything, really barrel aged yep. whiskey. So yeah, well, I'm excited for you. Thanks. This is going to be an amazing <laughs> weekend. Anything else you want to hit? What, what charity? Uh, oh yeah, budget? good call. Oh yeah, what charity are y'all working yeah, with? Yeah, so year? this event, since its uh, start, has been uh, supporting the Oasis Center and their bike workshop program. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. It's uh, it's so it's Oasis Center helps like inner city kids uh, that are homeless or just you know struggling, mm-hmm. um, or maybe you know only have one parent and not making ends meet. And part of that program, they have this bike workshop where you can sign up. You basically learn how to build, fix, and maintain a bicycle. And at the end of the program, you keep the bike, oh, cool. which is really cool. Amazing. They also help build the uh, Watkins Park pump track, which is in, uh, I guess, what neighborhood is that considered? It's right off of Charlotte. It's off 17th. Yeah, um, yeah, right by Oasis. 17th Center. and 16th, yeah. And uh, it's across street from MLK. So we've been supporting them. I think to date, it's over about 100 grand that we've raised just for their organization. Um, but as a whole, Rhizome, since 2011, we've donated well over a million dollars to a handful of different charities uh, based here locally in Nashville, as well as the other markets that we we do events in, which is mainly the Southeast, but we've done work up in New York. We've done work in uh, Denver, a couple other markets, um, but it plays a big role in what we do is always just trying to help nonprofits locally, wherever we may be. So Awesome. Killer yeah. Matt, thank you. Thank well you for done. mentioning that. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for coming in today, Matt. Really appreciate it. Yeah, come back and talk uh, another beer. Maybe when spring comes around, we can talk. Do a quarterly beer program with you. Yeah, we could do a little (laughs) Lambic. We probably should do a Lambic episode at some point. So check them out at rhizomeproductions.com and then all the info on the Winter Warmer at thewinterwarmer.com where you can get ticket info and uh, as well as info about the, the various sponsors and charity organizations. And again, that is at Morgan Park in germantown in between third and fourth off of hume so taking germantown back to its roots which is making beer which is drinking beer which is enjoying beer and uh doing a little day drinking which is a nashville activity it's good on a saturday that's if we're talking about nashville's soul i think day drinking resides somewhere in there as well i don't disagree (laughs) all right uh lots to come here as we get through the holidays talking through the new book cheer uh, we'll have some different events to to talk to you about punches and plenty more holiday content coming here on Liquid Gold. Check us out at liquidgold.show. And as always, check out all the podcasts at weownthistown.net. Shout out to producer Michael Eads. Jess Hash. Thank you for the reminder. Jess Hash for the logo. Upright T-Rex music for the tunes. We're going to see our other Jess, Miss Jess Backus in Charleston soon. So more info on that. And Kenneth, happy winter drinking to you thank you mike my name's mike wolf and we'll see you next time on liquid gold later tater <laughs>